This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. morning it's just after one minute past nine you're tuned to 102.73 triple r and it is time for this week's edition of radio marinara we are the program about all things wet and salty my name's bron burton and i'm kate mills how are you kate i'm fantastic welcome bron. back it's great to be back i yeah. was just telling you before in the green room i listened to a few shows while i was away and you guys are good you're <laughs> really good i enjoyed it a lot i learned a lot too it's fantastic so it's nice to be a part of the show. It's awesome to have you back. And you've literally been halfway around the world? I have pretty much been on the other side of the world, yes. Mm. So was, were you listening via streaming? I was. Jeez, the new app um, for your phone is fantastic. It's and the good, fact that you can load up uh, shows that you want to listen to and it will basically just play them through is just brilliant. It's yeah. sort of, we're moving into the 21st century with you listen when you want to listen and it's great. So I caught up on a few shows, listened to maps and um, also caught up with Brian Wise and off the record as well while I was over there. It was great fun. Excellent. Well, it's very good to have you back. And uh, thank you, um, Tim, very much for Vital Bits. And thank you, Andrew, for Soulful Bits, speaking of things that we're grateful for. Yes, and actually that was one of the things that was quite nice to be back in Melbourne to have access to community radio in your car. (laughs) It was something driving around America where um, they have a lot of satellite radio stations and you've got your Beatles station, your Tom Petty station, your ACDC station, your Elvis station, and it sounds amazing. Like, you know, if you like an artist, you can just listen to their music, but the thing missing is the programmers that actually know what they're talking about and actually have some emotion and stories around those artists... um, Basically, they're just people that are putting on CDs over there. So it's nice to be back and have that sort of passion in radio. Passion is something that we have in spades. We sure do. We're going to do that today. We've got a massive show today. Um, First up, we're going to be crossing actually down to Wilson's Prom where Stephen Howe will be waiting for us. He's Marine Science Manager for Parks Victoria and he's just come back from a conference in Bali. You know, nice for some. Tough job. In my conference going days, it was always, you know... Hobart in winter, which, you know, has its own beauty and charm. Oh, I've been to Adelaide twice this year. (laughs) (laughs) We do love our Adelaide as well. But if you're going to go to a conference and talk about 
marine things, you know, Bali, hello. So our ocean, and uh, it was a, um, a uh, conservation-themed conference and some very heavy hitters in marine conservation were there. Very exciting announcement was made about Wilson's Prom in terms of its status as a conservation zone. And we're going to talk to... I'm not going to give it all away now, but we're going to speak with Stefan about that. If you're connected to our Facebook page, you would have already seen. They won the conservation Oscar. Yeah, pretty much. How you would say it, yeah. Yeah, that's a good or, way of describing it. Or the gold it. bogey, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> is that quite as prestigious as the Oscar? I okay, guess this is more Oscar territory I think so, yeah. than gold bogey. <laughs> um, and then we're going to uh, catch up with Terry for a dive report. Oh, we're speaking with, I should have said, we're speaking with Stefan, but we're also going to speak with John Hawkins, uh, who is uh, representing Scuba Divers Federation of Victoria, um, which they're a really interesting group. I didn't really know that much about them. Did a quick um, quick search last night on the interwebs. And so we'll speak with John from a kind of a user's perspective in the sense of a group that goes down and dives at the prom and what this means for them as divers as well. They were quite instrumental in the application for this particular award too. So we'll get his perspective. Um, then we're going to cross to Terry for a dive report. And then at about 9 30 we are going to play a chat that i had during the week with oslo davis who you may know from his um cartoon series what we call it cartoon art piece i don't know i call it cartoon cartoon makes seems like it's trivializing it it is something you look for every weekend isn't it yeah and ironically we've just spent 20 minutes looking for it in the sunday age we can't find it but um he writes a little uh he does a little piece called overheard and it's a graphical um uh, depiction of literally that a conversation that he's overheard and so he has done – he's now one of eight artists that have been selected for an Art Trams project. He's done this beautiful piece called Swimming Through Traffic. You might have already seen the, um, the tram making its way around Melbourne because it's out there. I haven't actually seen it myself no, yet. No, I'll keep an eye out though. I think, yeah. Um, there is a number that you can actually search for um, online and it will tell you exactly where the tram is. Um, and he mentions that in, in the interview. So we had a chat during the week. He, he um, uh, doesn't manage to get in on Sundays. Um, so we'll be playing that. Fantastic. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get That's some great. selfies from people in front of the tram. Yeah, great idea. Yeah. Just don't put yourself at risk. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll issue that kind of safety yes. warning. Um, and then finally, because this is such a massive show, we've got a special guest who you've lined up, Kate, Kate Charlton-Rob. We do, yes. Yeah. So she wears many hats, but she's the AMSA president and also the... Is it founding director and head of research at the Marine Mammal Foundation, which do a lot of amazing work in Port Phillip Bay and along the Victoria coast. So we won't tell you too much about her. We'll wait till she gets in and grill her with a whole lot of questions about her work and also upcoming talks that the Australian Marine Science Association is putting on next Thursday. Fantastic. Looking forward to speaking with her and all our guests today. Going to do a quick weather report. I really must keep to time because our show is so packed today. Uh, weather report for day. Heading for a top of 24. How beautiful. Mostly sunny during the day. Slight chance of a shower at night. Light winds becoming northwesterly 10 to 20 kilometres an hour in the morning, then tending south to southwesterly in the afternoon. Tomorrow, 27. That's the perfect temperature. Woo-hoo. Don't you reckon? Yep. 27. And most people will be away. Yeah. Because of... It's been. It has. It is quite in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, people are either away or probably hung over this morning after. If you're into the race going thing, which I'm not, but um, yes. Hopefully, people are away camping on the coast. Yeah. yeah. Cloudy. High chance of this is tomorrow. Um, chance of showers tomorrow. Isolated thunderstorms possible from the afternoon. Light winds becoming north to northwesterly, 20 to 30 kilometres now. So windy and wet tomorrow. Uh, afternoon bayside sea breezes. Tuesday, 20 and showers. 
A very high chance of showers, chance of thunderstorm, winds north to northwesterly 15 to 20 kilometres an hour, then south to southwesterly 15 to 20 kilometres an hour, so wet and windy. And the surf is, it's Dr Surf would say, going off at the moment. <laughs> if anyone is camping down the coast, they're probably not listening to us because they're out paddling. It's about six to eight foot with like north northwesterly winds at the moment. Pick your favourite spot and get out there and get amongst it. Fantastic. Indeed. And later part of the week, um, cool and cloudy. So down to 16 on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. to get the coats out Interesting again. Interesting time of the year. Indeed. And a quick tide report, then we'll put on some music. Uh, we are heading for a high tide uh, at Point Lonsdale. Sorry, I beg your pardon, I'll start that again. We've just had a high tide at Point Lonsdale at 8.55. Heading for a low tide at Point Lonsdale at 2.21. So they're the two significant ones for you. Uh, I'm going to do a super quick announcement and then um, we'll put on some music. And thanks to Lance for sending this in. Lance is a long-time Triple R listener, a subscriber and a mate of mine. 400-year-old shark found in the Arctic could be the oldest living vertebrate. And I thought, is this, um, you know, is this one of those kind of pranky kind of headlines but no it's real 400 year they reckon 400 year old greenland shark would have reached sexual maturity at around 150 years that's a long wait <laughs> imagine having to wait <laughs> that's exactly my thought having to wait 150 years oh my god it'd want to be good too <laughs> <laughs> sets a new record for being the oldest living vertebrate so they're estimating here but um they they're guessing around they said at least 392 years old that born some time in the 1500s phenomenal and it's alive right now it's not something that's come up you know as a as a um through fishing or anything like that it's it's actually still alive and could very well be the oldest living vertebrate on the planet so this is a piece of research that's been published in science this week isn't that incredible that's fantastic so it could have could have been born as early as 1505 lives in temperatures less than minus one degree celsius these creatures can swim as deep as 7200 feet and weigh more than a ton it's about 30 feet in length 18 feet in length sorry six meters isn't that incredible? Oh, I know what I'll be reading when the show's finished. I want yeah. to know more about this. <laughs> yeah. Well, me too. I reckon we'll, um, we'll, we'll do some research into this one. But thanks, Lance, for setting that in. That's great. Fantastic. All right, 10 past nine, we're going to get cracking and uh, play you a track now. This is from Paul Kelly's new release, Nature. It's an absolutely gorgeous album. And, of course, we went straight to this track. It's called Seagulls of Seattle. Seagulls of Seattle, we're calling Oh, yeah, if you've just tuned in, it was Paul Kelly, Seagulls of Seattle, from his new release album, Nature. 100% of it absolutely beautiful. It's 13 minutes past nine. You are listening to Radio Marinara here on 3RRR. Now, over the last week, some of the world's heavy hitters in marine conservation gathered at the 2018 Our Ocean Conference in Bali, where they focused on generating commitments and taking actions to maintain the sustainability of our oceans. As with all great conferences, some great awards were made, including the announcement by the Marine Conservation Institute that Wilson's Promontory Marine National Park has earned a Platinum Global Ocean Refuge Award, the first marine protected area in Australia to achieve this listing. Along with this award, Wilson's Proms now included with a prestigious group of 10 marine protected areas around the world that comprise the Global Ocean Refuge System. To tell us about this significant award and what it means for Wilson's Prom moving forward, we're very pleased to first up welcome on site at the Prom right now, Parks Victoria Marine Science Manager Stefan Howe. Stefan, good morning, congratulations. It's quite a significant award for our Prom. 
Yeah, good morning, Bronwyn. Yeah, it's it's fantastic news. It's um, we're really, really, really pleased to have uh, Wilson's Primary National Park recognised internationally for its uh, contribution to marine conservation. So, um, yeah, as you mentioned, it's a it's an award system set up by the Marine Conservation Institute, and um, yeah, it's the Primary National Park is the only marine protected area in Australia to receive an award. So it's it's, it's really huge news and. Um, Fantastic recognition for all the uh, Coastal Tourist staff and our, and our many, many partners from agencies, research partners and community that have um, contributed to management of the park over the last nearly 20 years. And it's not just an award, is it? We were talking at the start of the show. It's kind of... Cade, he's with me at the moment. He'll probably have some questions himself. Um, Cade said it's, it's kind of the equivalent of the Oscars for Marine Conservation Awards, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, and I, I was lucky enough to attend the awards ceremony in, in Bali uh, earlier this week, and um, yeah, I was told by the Glorious team there are a lot of uh, MPAs were nominated and, and only a, a very short list uh, received awards, and, and Prom, as you mentioned, only one of only three that got the Platinum Award, so it's a, yeah, it's a very significant um, uh, event and recognition for, for the Prom Marine National Park. Did you know it was coming? Did you have any kind of hint that they were going to do it, or was did it completely take you by surprise? Uh, well, they, they put out calls for, for nominations. So, um, yeah, we <clears throat> we put in a nomination. Paxatoa put in a nomination and, and um, uh, put a case forward for sort of management of the, of the park over the last 20 years. And uh, we, we didn't really find out until, oh, geez, must have been three weeks, maybe four weeks before the awards. So it was all a, a bit of a rush when we found out to, um, yeah, to, to try to organise to get out to the awards ceremony. But, um, yeah, it was... Um, a little bit of a surprise, but in some ways not. I mean, for those people who have dived at the park uh, and understand what a spectacular place it is and how fantastic the marine life is, such a dynamic marine environment, um, very special place. And as, as a lot of us like to say, it's uh, the colder waters in Victoria are probably uh, not as well recognised as some of the more better-known sort of tropical reefs like the Great Barrier Reef, and, and it's great to have the prom. Marine National Park recognised and as being as just as spectacular as, as some of those better known tropical reefs. It, well, as you just said, then Stefan, you know, it is going to put Wilson's Prom on the map as far as a destination for marine lovers. Uh, there's going to be a lot of positive flow-on effects from it. Are you finding people are sort of getting on the park's website and sort of looking at Wilson's Prom now, going, "Where the hell is this place in the world?" and starting to get a lot more interest. Uh, we've certainly had some uh, local interest. Um, I, I haven't sort of kept track of uh, web traffic and that sort of thing, to be honest, but I, I know that there's been a bit of uh, some social media about the award and a lot of interest in that. Um, yeah, I mean, the people who know the prom are, are very pleased and, and hopefully um, we see this because uh, the Glorious team are also doing their international uh, communications and promotion that it'll it actually not only raise awareness in Victoria and it's uh, it's fantastic for more Victorians to understand how spectacular and how lucky we are to have a park like the Prom, but uh, but also for international audiences as well to to understand that there are these fantastic uh, reefs, fantastic marine life in in the Prom Marine National Park in, in Southeast Australia. We talked briefly about the conference and we'll talk about this another time, Stephen, when we've got a bit more time. I mentioned at the start that there were some pretty heavy conservation hitters there. Can you talk us through some of, just to really give people listening an, um, a, an appreciation of how significant this conference was in terms of who was there? Yeah, it was a huge conference. It's, a, it's the fifth uh, Our Oceans conference and it was initiated by John Kerry, the former US Secretary of State. 
Um, he was there and gave a really inspirational speech. Uh, there were people like Sylvia Earle, Malcolm Turnbull, the Indonesian president was there, and many others, and there were about 3,000 delegates. So it was the biggest conference I'd ever been to. And um, there were, and again, as, as you said, there are a whole heap of commitments made throughout the conference uh, to protect the oceans. There were 305 commitments made during the conference and commitment of 10.7 billion US dollars um, going forward to, to ocean uh, management and uh, 14 million square kilometres of MPAs sort of uh, uh, pledged to establish uh, MPAs covering that, that area, 14, point, yeah, 14 million kilometres squared. So, yeah, that, pretty that, significant commitments. That's amazing. What was the reaction of the people like in the room when our prom was, you know, got up as the, uh, as the award winner for this category? Um, well, it was actually, uh, there was a, a very brief announcement during the conference um, where yeah, the... Uh, Marine Conservation Institute only had one minute to make the announcement during the conference, but the awards ceremony was um, a side event. There were many side events associated with the conference, and yeah, there was um, when we played the video for the prom and some of the spectacular footage that's been collected by uh, Alan Beckhurst and the Divers Federation Victoria and, and many others. The, the feedback was just really positive, and people were amazed that uh, that we had this sort of marine life in in, in southeast Australia. So the, the feedback was really really positive, and uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Last question for you, because I know we've got John Hawkins from Scuba Divers Federation there waiting for us. Um, what, what does yeah. the award mean for Parks Victoria, Stefan, in your role as managers of marine national parks, and in this case, Marine National Park? Uh, I think it's uh, recognition, as I said before, of the, of the fantastic efforts of, of staff, of the many partner agencies and volunteers been involved in the program so it's, it, it's fantastic to have that recognition as well as um, uh, recognition of the really special and unique marine life we have at the prom but it's also um, I guess in a way it sort of uh, uh, sets a, a challenge for us to maintain best practice management for the prom going forward so um, yeah that, I guess that's it in a nutshell it's, it's just a fantastic uh, award and, and really proud for and partners to have received it uh, for the prom. Yeah. Fantastic. We've got about five minutes, so I know we're keen um, to... You're very keen for us to have a chat with John Hawkins as well from Scuba Divers Federation. So congratulations again, Stefan, to you and, and to the managers down at the prom as well. We would have loved to have spoken with, you know, everyone who's uh, associated with looking after our prom because it, it holds such a, a special place in the hearts of so many people uh, and around the world as well, but, um, but particularly for us here in Victoria. And so thank you very much for everything that you do and looking after it and for getting it to, to this status. Um, might have a chat with John Hawkins now, if that's okay. Yep, thanks very much, Ron. Okay, we'll chat with you soon. Thanks, Stefan. We'll do. All right, thanks. Bye. Okay, bye, Stefan. At the moment, passing the phone to John Hawkins, Scuba Divers Federation of Victoria. Are you there, John? Yes, I am, Robin. Yeah. You. Sorry? Good morning to you. Yeah, good morning to you as well. And, um, look, you, you guys played quite a, a role in uh, the nomination process for the prom, didn't you? Is that right? Um, yes, uh, the short answer to that is yes. Um, the um, uh, recreational divers scuba federation have been coming down Wilson Prom um, for since diving's been invented, type thing, and uh, uh, it's, uh, it's a, Wilson Prom is a very special place. place so we're ecstatic that um, uh, and the award's been made. Uh, but, but notwithstanding the the incredible effort, the um, the government part, the, uh, partner departments have done to to actually pull together the presentation and and uh, make it clear to the uh, the the judging panel that um, Wilson's prom is very some a place very very special 
Yeah, that's right, telling them what we already know. I reckon we might have crossed paths yeah. at one point, John. I used to go diving down at the prom back in my uni days, so it was quite a long time ago now, but we used to head down every single weekend in February with our with our little uni boats and, and head out to Norman Island and to the Glennies and occasionally out to Skull Rock when the weather was okay. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about diving at the prom, sort of from your experience? Well, it, it, my experience is, is, is long, and so I'll probably pass your... Your, <laughs> my uni days are long gone, um, but uh, probably past during those February days. But the diving at the prom is um, people. I, I dive around all the world, uh, all around the world, in my because I get to travel. And I just got to say, people say, "Where's the place, best place in the world?" And I often say, "On a good day, it's, it's Wilton's prom." And and then they say, "Why?" And I just say, "It's because it's clean. It, we are so lucky that it's so clean, and the diversity of uh, marine life in Wilton's prom is just." Uh, it, there's not words to describe it. You have to actually see it, and that's that's why parks is really, uh, you know, parks is, you know, the videos that are now available because of technology is really good. That the people that don't dive uh, can actually just see what we have underwater. The diversity and the richness richness of life is just phenomenal, and it's very hard to dive at Wilton Prom, as you know, you've done it. Um, it's a bit of effort. Uh, it takes a collection and a collective effort to do it. Um, and we're doing the scoop. I'm down Wilson Prom at the moment. The Guys Federation is long a cup day weekend. That's a long 40 year tradition that we come down where all the clubs sort of cooperate to get get the boats out. We've we just gone through a hurricane in the last couple of days. We're just waiting out because nobody's gone home. We're just waiting out to go and dive because it's just so precious to go. Opportunity. It's such a privilege. And um, to get you know this award is just. Um, and to many of us, it's, you know, it's a bit of a dirt moment. Yeah, of course, this is this is one of the best places in the world to dive. And um, you've got some people diving down there. Uh, Stefan mentioned that there was somebody down there who wanted to have a quick chat with us about what it's like diving down there at the moment. Is yep. Have yep. you got somebody uh, standing by there? Yep, yep. Um, I'm just going to hand it over to um, uh, Rob Trimmers, who's um, a local, a local, and um, yeah, he can say what he needs to say. All right, great. Thanks so much, John. Hello. It's been great speaking with you. Oh, hi, Rob. Yes, speaking. Oh, this is great. It's like this party line that we've got going here. <laughs> Bring it on. We've got it so well organised here and uh, that's just certainly as a result of uh, parks management and uh, looking forward to um, enjoying the uh, the rewards of um, that uh, fantastic um, opportunity that's been presented to us. Yes, yeah, so Rob, you're, um, you live down there, is that right? You're a local? That's correct, yes. Uh, Gippsland, Wilson's Primary, been diving here and been coming here since I was a little tacker and just uh, love the prom. It's um, it's above water landscape, and uh, in more recent years, to be a scuba diver and enjoy the magnificent islands off the prom and the shipwrecks that are around here, and of course um, the park itself with uh, its very well manicured uh, campsites and toilet facilities, and allowing us beach access to launch our vessels and head out amongst those awesome islands of uh, Redondo. Um, Skull Rock and um, of the Marine National Park, which is one of the biggest in the whole of the country of Australia. It's absolutely breathtaking, isn't it, when you actually get out there on the water and you kind of head south and realise that you're kind of almost making a trajectory for Tasmania and you just sort of keep going. And and um, as John pointed out, the water there is just so clean and everything is so pristine. And uh, there's this sort of real community collective uh, approach to keeping it that way. I think that's the real thing about once you get down to the prom, there's, this, there's something that takes hold of you that you just want to keep it exactly as it is. 
Look, I think you've described that very well indeed. And, of course, us as a local community in combination with the other Victorian scuba clubs that are here this weekend in Parks, Victoria, uh, to enjoy the prom and uh, keep it in that uh, best pristine state. And we have a campaign going of picking up three pieces of rubbish each day, whether we're on the water or on the land. Uh, we're also very much involved in looking after the marine underwater environment with the clean-up of the Northern Pacific Sea Star, should they occur, because they're a pretty toxic species that have been invading the waters uh, in years gone by. And certainly to... Um, just enjoy capturing some of the images of the beautiful fish life which is just almost so thick you can't see other dive buddy in some cases and the whales and the seals and and uh, dolphins as well too and just to be on that water and to look to the south and big landscape falling into the waters is just something that people have just got to come and have a look at from all around the state from all around the country and certainly with the promotion of uh, ecotourism, maybe the international guests would get better access to um, seeing that from both the land and from the water in the future. But it's it's awesome. It's just fantastic. That's brilliant. Um, Rob, wonderful to have you on. And um, please pass our thanks on to John and Stefan. We need to move on um, with the rest of our program. But, look, thanks so much for joining us today. Congratulations. Hope you managed to get a dive in and things settle down over the next couple of days weather-wise. And um, let's catch up again in the future because I'd love to hear more of it from um, from your perspective. Look, look, the final thing is just get the Globus Award out there and announced through the media channels and also that uh, people are very welcome to come and have a look at Wilson's Pometry with its access. And as a local diver... I think it's one of the best places in the country and I too have travelled all around the world and thanks so much to Parks Victorian Government Agencies for making it so accessible to us, the members of the public and um, for us as divers again to get underneath there and experience this awesome marine environment. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Rob. We'll catch up with you again soon. Okay, talk to you soon. Yeah, we'll do that. Okay, bye for now. There you go. Exciting, exciting times, Cade. Very. It's pity we're not down there doing a live broadcast. <laughs> if this happens every Melbourne Cup, yeah, maybe we, we could look at that in that the future. Could be a future one. Join them. All the dive clubs are down there. All the guest presenters, speakers would all be down there as well. What fun! What a way to spend a weekend too. Oh, how awesome! I'm kind of envious, more from a surfing point of view than a diving point of view at the moment. There'd be some great <laughs> surf down there, but it's incredible diving too. Absolutely, so it's great. Thanks, Cade, and um, thanks so much to Rob, John, and Stefan. It's 9.28. We're going to get our skates on here. Radio Marinara uh, at 3 triple R. 9.29. And uh, without further ado, we're going to cross to Terry Allen for our... She's our very own dive reporter. Give us a dive report. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, Bron. How are you going? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, very good, very good. Now, what's the diving been like? Kate's been saying the, the surfing's been going off and sometimes good surfing doesn't necessarily equal good diving. Is that the case? <laughs> yeah, well, I jumped in uh, yesterday. We had very strong westerlies, which I guess is good for surfing. I'm not really sure. Uh, but there was a whole bunch of divers, oh, probably about 15 people or so, I saw underwater and above at, down at Blair Gowrie. And uh, it's one of the uh, great places to get in if it's a strong wind in almost every direction except an easterly. Um, and, yeah, it was very good down there. Um, water temperatures got to about 17 now, so it's steadily climbing. And uh, lots of nudibranchs. I think I've counted about seven or eight species. Um, really good to see juvenile, lots of juvenile banjo sharks. So um, hopefully they're starting to recover after the uh, fantastic effort of uh, banning the fishing there. So um, they were, they're extremely cute when they're only about a foot long and they're cute anyway. But uh, yeah, so that was great. Lots of juvenile, uh, old wives, lots of juvenile fish. So um, Blair Gary was, yeah, really going off. Highly recommend it. 
What was the visibility like, Terry? Uh, it wasn't too bad. It was uh, we got there virtually. It was the top of the tide, but it was turning to an ebb. So it was probably oh look five or six meters. It looked great looking down, you know, as it always does. Um, so a little bit milky, but actually pretty good. Yeah, not too bad at all. And what would be your uh, dive pick of the day for today? Uh, well, today we're, it's going around to the south. Uh, oh, I think it is already southerly. So. I think any of the uh, Rye or Blairgowrie uh, would be would be good today. Um, or, or boat diving in the southern part of the bay would be okay as well. Yep. Fantastic. And you just come back from Truck Lagoon. We're going to talk about that, but we're going to hold that one off for maybe a week or two and catch up with you because um, you had a massive hurricane that came through where you were. We certainly we certainly did. We had a super typhoon Category 5 100, metres, 100, 100 miles north of us. So... That was a little bit exciting, but uh, we dodged it. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> a bit like China Divers Wilson's Prom, as we remember all those years ago, Ron. Well, we're exactly. We've just been talking about that, um, about yeah. about their big award, and uh, yeah, for me, definitely reminiscing back to the days of diving out there. And yeah, it was we had some crazy times, didn't we? <laughs> oh yes, uh, w- wine bottling uh, cheap red by the cheery guest. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you got to do something when it's raining. Drink more than bottle. <laughs> <laughs> and a, a, a special shout out to Cherie. Uh, took a fantastic photo yesterday of a, a tasseled uh, anglerfish, and uh, thought she'd uh, flooded her camera, but she's managed to recover it. So. Oh, that's good. So that was a big relief. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right, thanks so much, Terry. We'll catch up with you no uh, in the near future. See you, Kane. See you, Brian. Bye. See you. Bye for now. Terry Allen there with our dive report. It is coming up to 27 minutes to 10. This is Radio Marinara on 3RRR. And in just a moment, we're going to be playing an interview, if you've just tuned in, um, a chat that I had with Oslo Davis during the week um, about a beautiful art piece that he's done for the Melbourne Art Trams project called Swimming Through Traffic. So in just a moment, we'll be doing that while we uh, get ready. This is uh, a beauty from uh, Tao and the Get Down, Stay Down when we swam. Many of you listening right now will know our next guest by his art series Overheard in the Sunday Age, where cartoons are created based on conversations that are, well, overheard. If you love his work as much as I do, you'll be very happy to know that artist Oslo Davis has been chosen as one of eight artists featured in the public art project Melbourne Art Trams, where eight trams are reviving and reimagining the seminal transporting art program that ran from 1978 to 1993, resulting in 36 hand-painted trams being turned into giant mobile work of art. To tell us more about Melbourne Art Trams and his piece, Swimming Through Traffic, it's with great pleasure that we welcome to Triple R and to Radio Marinara, Melbourne artist Oslo Davis. Good morning, Oslo. Good morning. Welcome to uh, Radio Marinara. I was going to say Triple R, but I've just realised you've been here quite a bit, haven't you? I pop in probably every six months or so. <laughs> yeah, great. Well, first time on our program, so thanks for joining us. Um, now, many of our listeners, if not all, would know you by your series Overheard, and it's now in its 12th year, is that right? Yeah, I guess it is. It's been going forever. Have people worked out who you are yet? Do they know what you look like and curb or alter their conversations if they see you? No, Melbourne's a big city. I can, you know, hide and go incognito quite easily. A lot of people don't read the age anymore. <laughs> 
people love your work and they love it's amazing um uh, people who I've told quite a few that you know that we'd be having a chat today every single person has had, had the same reaction which is oh I love his work and is that what you set out to do to have your work relatable and people kind of feel like they've been maybe let in on a, an intimate moment or a secret that they otherwise wouldn't have seen or heard oh certainly the second part of that I like the idea that um, people find out something that they feel a little bit naughty about knowing but probably at the end of the day it's all for me I don't, I don't really create work for other people. I try to create work that makes me happy and me laugh and me, 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 basically. Yeah, well, it has that effect on everybody else as well. Do you have people coming up to you or contacting you, not coming up to you because they don't know who you are, but do they contact you and say, hey, I think that was me that you captured? Has that ever happened? Yeah, totally. Um, I've had a few people come up and ask that question and it's never been them, which is odd. So maybe they're saying something that other people are saying yeah, <laughs> as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll get onto the trams in a minute, but I've always wanted to ask you these things. Yeah, and no. you, like, you must overhear hundreds of conversations as you just sort of go about your business day to day. How do you work out like, what becomes a subject for, of a piece of art for you? Like, How do you know that, yep, that's the moment I want to capture this week? Yeah, it's tricky, but I, I usually can get a sense of it. So, for example, there were two women in a cafe yesterday and they were talking about last Saturday night and all the shenanigans that went down. And it started off a bit boring, but I knew because they were onto a really interesting topic, it was going to get to some juicy stuff. And lo and behold, it did. And they were talking about, you know, going to bed at 4am and her fiancé staying up to 6 and then driving to Mil- driving to Mildura at, at 10.30 <laughs> that morning. And yeah, it was, it was funny. But uh, yeah, I guess I have a sense of it coming up. Yeah. You can sort of tell those people who are going to divulge some some goss or, or something. Yeah. I told my mum that we were having a chat today, um, Helen from Mornington, who's been a Triple R subscriber for about 20 years anyway, and um, she wanted to know, do you travel around on public transport kind of, you know, almost, um, I think she kind of pictures you with like a cape and a mask or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, I do. I do actually. I go out on missions and try to get about four or five to tie me over for the week. Uh, for the next five weeks or so, uh, and I put my headphones in, turn the volume down, pretend I'm reading a book, yeah, and sit next to someone who's a blabbermouth. So uh, yeah, nice. Yeah, try to try to do it. Excellent. Now let's focus on this um, beautiful piece of art that you've done on a Melbourne tram. Uh, it's a bit bigger than your Sunday Age pieces. How do you set out to plan for something like this, going from from a, a small piece of work to something that's enormous? Yeah, well, the, the stuff in the newspaper is no more than probably 10 centimetres wide at its most. Uh, this work was for something that's 23 metres long and 3 metres high uh, on a D1 tram, like the tram that I got. So it was it was quite daunting, I guess, from that aspect. But I think the way I approached it was, look, I would just do a drawing on an A4 sheet of paper and I would play around with it in Photoshop, scan it at a high resolution and put that up on the tram. So I wasn't thinking big, even from the start. I guess I was still thinking, I'm just going to do what I do. And um, the Art Tram Project series, I mentioned there are eight artists. How did you come to be involved? Well, it's an application. It's an open application. Some years it is and some years it isn't. I've actually applied four times (laughs) and this was the fifth time I got in. Uh, Every year I said, I'm not going to apply. I'm sick of applying. always get rejected and blah, blah, blah. But uh, I gave it another shot and I actually didn't try to overthink it this time. I think my past applications were too conceptual and 
trying to trying to be too smart or something. Uh, this time I th- I said, well, I'm just going to do a beautiful or beautiful in inverted commas uh, picture of people swimming. I think that could be fun. And I I just did that. I didn't overthink it. I didn't try to put any sort of witty or cheeky spin on it. I just thought, let's just do that and see how it goes and yeah, manage to get through. Yeah, and you could have chosen anything, but you've gone with swimming. And I was going to ask you how you landed on the aquatic theme, but it was just a random thought. Well, no, it's been I've been swimming a lot in the last two years, actually. I never was a swimmer. I've been surfing and loved the ocean, but in terms of swimming in a pool or just swimming for the sake of swimming, I've never really been into it until about two years ago. Uh, while my kids are swimming, I just thought, well, I want to do something as well, so I got in and, and now I swim three four times a week at the local pool and it's become a massive part of my life as anyone would know who swims it becomes something that you want to do and get back to and you need to do and so I just thought well let's try to capture that through this work. There's something really therapeutic isn't it uh, about swimming and particularly if you get into lap swimming I always find with myself um, if, if I haven't done it for a while and I'm in that stage at the moment it feels quite daunting just the thought of getting back into a pool and and swimming laps but once you've done it a couple of times there is almost a dependency on it there's for me something that I just I, I need to get back in the pool you're not connected by the to, to the internet you don't have any phones there's no media I think you can get that technology but I don't don't go there and yeah you've just got yourself and you've got to keep moving or else you'll sink yeah <laughs> and, exactly uh, you know it's it's a tricky tricky thing to swim and uh, the more you swim the harder it becomes in many ways because you fine-tune your body and your swimming stroke your breathing and all those sorts of little skills you get better but it's harder in a weird kind of way mm. and you mentioned that you surf as well have you always had that connection to the sea to the marine environment yeah i grew up on the coast in tasmania and uh used to uh, bodyboard uh, back in those days and actually wave ski as well Um, but these days I surf uh, mini mal down on the surf coast whenever I can all right yeah oh I should have had Dr Surfy today (laughs) you and he can talk about surfing maybe we'll organize that for another time that'd be great I reckon he'd love to have you in Um, uh, so let's go through your design can you talk us through it yeah, so the the design is, as I said, 23 metres long. It features a bunch of people. Um, on reflection, it's very politically correct. There's sort of someone from every walk of life, uh, every ethnicity and, and um, uh, sex. And uh, There's a dog in there. There's a, there's a seagull. Uh, there's, a, there's a woman in a, um, a bikini burqa or whatever you call those things. Um, and... Um, a baby uh yeah i just thought let's get let's get a really nice fun kind of mix of uh melbourne people on this tram yeah uh, because where i swim i swim at vu but i also go out to sunshine sunshine swimming pool and that's amazing you've got um old old school old italians and and europeans and you've got uh, new migrant refugees and uh, people from uh, you know most continents of the earth uh, are out there uh, so it's it's pretty pretty fantastic to see all these people enjoying this common thing of swimming mm. so in many ways i wanted to yeah plug into that a bit too there's a, a quote that i read um that 
that of yours that accompany, accompanies this piece and you've said who doesn't like to get wet whether it be at the local pool the bay or the ocean swimming is a massive part of our lives in the city and and I totally agree and I'm, I'm wondering why you think this might be the case and once when Tim Winton was in he said it he thought it was something to do something subconscious about returning to a pre-birth state when we spend nine months effectively swimming or at least floating do you think maybe it's got something <laughs> such to, a is, Tim Winton comment isn't it <laughs> is it too deep to, is it kind of more simpler than that or do you think there might be something in that? I don't know. Uh, I'm, I guess you could say something like that. Yeah. But far out. It's just a beautiful place to be. Yeah. Uh, and we have sunshine and the weather temperature is good and the water temperature is good and we're hot. Uh, let's let's go somewhere where we can uh, feel that we have our body at a nice place. And most people have their favourite place where they like to go, their favourite you know, waterhole, for want of a better word, where they like to jump in. And for me, it's Carnegie. I think Carnegie Pool's one of the last kind of classic suburban pools that it's it's not a sack, it's not a sports and aquatic centre, it's just an outdoor pool. Yep. Outdoor 50 metre pool. Hole in the ground. Yeah, exactly. And then there's a, a, a diving pool off to the side where there's a three metre board and a ten metre board and, and, you know, it takes me right back to my childhood where that's all there was. You know, if it was a fancy pool centre, there was maybe a kiosk and maybe a slide and that was as, as fancy as it got so yeah I like that simplicity yeah I do too it's it's nice when it's it's just this sort of big rectangle with full of water and um it's uh, yeah it's not complicated by I, I hate these places of getting old but they they play uh, real loud a really loud disco music at some of them and with the dj and stuff it's just like give us a break yep. <laughs> Not my cup of tea, but getting a bit old, as I said. Yeah, I know, I'm the same. Now, I'm guessing your tram's going to get a lot of smiles and perhaps an increase uh, in attendance through the gates at various public pools around Melbourne. Is it is the tram operating yet? Yeah, it's, it's out, out there. It, it came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I was there for its um, birth, perhaps, for one of a better phrase <laughs> I can't think of. Uh, Yes, I saw it in the depot and it's on the streets. It's running across uh, a few different um, routes, I think 5, 6, 16, 58 and 72. Oh, 72, I'm trying to think. 72 is Camberwell, I think. Yeah, so it it goes out to the suburbs but it also yep. mostly cuts through the city, either William Street or Swanson Street. I think 16 might be St Kilda. So, yeah, yeah. You're, getting, you're getting a bit of coverage. Yeah, I mean, most of the trams probably do that anyway but... Yep. You can tram tracker it, which I've never done before, oh. which is kind of fun. Okay. Yeah, so you you put in the number, which is 3532, and the other ones as well all have their own numbers and you can actually see where it is. Oh, cool. Yeah, in real time. It's fun. Excellent. 3532, I'm going to do that shortly. <laughs> um, last question for you. Would you ever consider doing a summer beach series of Overheard or maybe even, you might have already done this, I don't know, but um, captured some conversations out on the water? I have done it. There were two... Uh, male surfers out at Point Addis a couple of years ago and they were school teachers and they were talking about putting their kids through some sort of uh, torturous mountain climb which, which is kind of funny <laughs> and I was sitting on my surfboard five metres away listening to them before before the sets <laughs> it was fun Fantastic um, More information, you've got a whole lot of stuff on your own website, do you want to give that a plug? While yeah, oslodavis.com that's where I dump most of the old stuff and recent stuff. So um, head over there if you want to check out what else I'm up to. Great. And how long will the tram be running for? I don't know. I think it probably will go until they uh, 
get some big advertising company to come and cover it over. Oh, never. <laughs> uh, but I think it's going all summer, probably Great. until... Um, yeah, March or something next year. Fantastic. Thanks so much for coming in and speaking with me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Great. And, uh, yeah, we will get you in another time when Dr Surf's in. You guys can talk mini-mails. Very good. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks. We've been speaking with Oslo Davis. You're listening to Radio Marinara here on 3RRR. Do you say indispensable? Indispensable. 102.7. That's what I thought. Hi, I'm David Suzuki, and you're listening to Radio Marinara on 3RRR 102.7 FM. Indeed you are. It is 10 minutes to 10, and uh, Kate and myself, Bron, we're here with and you today. We also have a special guest with us today. We, we have do. Dr. Kate Charlton-Robb here, who wears many hats, and she's coming wearing two today. The first is as the president of AMSA, well, the Australian Marine Science Association in Victoria. She's also the founding director and head of research at the Marine Mammal Foundation, and her PhD led to the formal description and the naming of the Burrinan Dolphin, which we actually find in Port Phillip Bay. She's published many scientific papers. She has a love of genetics, which she shared with me on Wednesday night and a lot of other people, which was amazing. She's also done a TEDx talk, I saw, and even has a Wikipedia page. I was pretty impressed by all of that, including all the research as well. Uh, welcome, Kate. Oh, thanks for having us here. Now, let's start with the first hat. As the Australian Marine Science Association President, you've been doing it for two years now, and I've been your pretty ordinary secretary in that time <laughs> for two years, I'll say. But coming up on Thursday, we have um, a special event showcasing some of Victoria's amazing marine scientists and some of the science that goes on in Victoria. Can you tell us a bit more about what people can expect and how they can come along to the event? Yeah, so on uh, Thursday night, this, so this Thursday, the 8th of November at 7 o'clock, we're having um, our event at RMIT Story Hall and it's really uh, showcasing is that the whole um, point of the uh, the night is to showcase some of the amazing marine sciences that are going on across Victoria. So with a lot of these things, a lot of them are looked up sort of in universities and um and academics talking to other academics so the idea behind this is actually to get that that, that really cool science out there in the public forum and and have the opportunity for the community to ask uh, people questions about their their research and hear about some really amazing things that are going on i remember going two years ago and um one of the lecturers was talking about some of the work they do with turtles and the coolest thing was about a 10 year old girl it was like his groupie. She had followed all his research, had kept sort of tabs of him and was so excited to be able to see him. It was Graham Hayes from Deakin University. Yeah, to see him in the flesh talking and she, yeah. you know, I think, almost got his autograph at the end of yeah. it and he was fantastic yeah. with her. So it really is a chance to yeah, break down, as you said, those barriers that are often seem to be there for the academic people and public. Yeah, definitely. And it's a really great opportunity to come in and hear about those things. And we've got um, presenters from a whole range of different universities and organisations talking from everything from eDNA, um, making parasites sort of uh, on the agenda. Most people get a bit grossed out by parasites, but they're a really um, important part of ecosystem function. Uh, we're having a look at um, habitat mapping and a whole bunch of different things that perhaps people don't get that access to or might be pigeonholed into being really interested in one uh, area of science. And then they get to hear, you know, these, these snapshot presentations, including, um, yeah, I'll be presenting on our amazing Baron and Dolphins. Uh, so I'll be one of the presenters as well, wearing my other hat as a researcher. Fantastic. And I think part of it, it's, a, it's great for the researchers themselves because it basically forces them 
to change their messaging a little bit and sort of work out how to communicate this amazing scientific work that they're doing to a more sort of broader general audience, which is something you have a lot of yeah. experience with. Yeah. It's important to, if people are listening, this is something that everyone listening right now can come to. You don't need to have a science background and, and the talks have been tailored for that. Yeah, definitely. So the, it is, it's not going to be just straight up academics and uh, with language that nobody can understand. It's actually tailored for community and, and for people with a general interest in, in sciences and marine sciences in particular and, and knowing what's going on in our own watery backyard. So it, it's going to be really accessible and we have student prices through adult prices. It's, uh, it, it's not an expensive event. It's five and ten dollars and and that money also then goes to support um uh, amsa victoria supporting students to go to conferences uh our national conferences and things so it really does then feed back into supporting the next generation of marine scientists and it's a good time as well for so if you're maybe slightly older kids probably four and five year olds maybe a little bit late for them yeah but, but a good time for older kids to go along it is yeah uh, encouraging that next generation those uh, later teens all the way through to undergraduates and postgraduates and community members so anybody anybody with that real interest so seven o'clock at story hall yeah um, even late primary would probably be okay yeah i think yeah. anyone can and really story get hall. into it yeah can you take us through some of the speakers um yeah so we have um we have dr Catherine hassel so she's going to be talking about um fish and marine pollution so what fish can tell us about uh, marine um, pollution and a healthy ecosystem. We've got Dr Nathan Bott from RMIT and he's going to be talking to us uh, about all things parasites, uh, which will be really which will be really cool. That'll grab the interest of some of the young people. <laughs> Hearing about those parasites, we're looking at eDNA and, uh, and citizen science and how these new kits of eDNA can actually be used in as a case study in an estuarine system. Um, we've got uh, Dan talking about he has uh, amazing work on habitat mapping and Simon from the Nature Conservancy uh, looking at shell reef uh, restoration and expanding that project and of course myself talking about the uh, the amazing baronin. Should we get a bit of a sneak preview from you to sort of whet people's appetite for I guess give them a sample of what they're going to hear about? So. Baron and Dolphus. Tell us more about it. Yeah, so um, my my PhD research question basically started. We we have uh, these these amazing dolphins that live right here uh, in Port Phillip Bay, and my question basically started was which of the two previously recognised bottlenose dolphin species were they? Uh, they're a bit of a mishmash between the common bottlenose and the Indo-Pacific, and nobody really knew what they were. What did people think they were before you started? Uh, just yeah, the run-of-the-mill bottlenose dolphins. Uh, they were noted as both Terceops truncatus, the common bottlenose, and also Terceops aduncus, the Indo-Pacific bottlenose, and then everybody just settled on Terceops species because we didn't really know. Um, and so in second year I got a lecture about um, using DNA for cryptic species and dolphins are the perfect example of cryptic species. They spend most of their time under the water and, you know, just looking at their fins, you can't tell, you know, gender or relationships or, um, you know, migration levels and species. So uh, the DNA was the perfect answer to that. 
and you obviously found that they weren't just yeah so we had a look at the dna and compared them to the the common bottlenose which are found right out in bass strait and it turns out that they weren't either of the other two bottlenose in fact they weren't like anything else we had in the world uh there was nothing to compare it to so that took me down a journey of having a look at their skull morphology and their external morphology and their diet and at every turn we found that they were was something completely different so I got the great privilege of, of being able to formally describe and name uh, the newest dolphin species for Australia. What was that eureka moment like for you when you suddenly realised? Um, it was a little bit. My supervisor, to be honest, was like, okay, you need to go back into the lab and forward and reverse the sequence and send it to a different lab. And uh, we also then were able to confirm with the bottlenose dolphin. But it was really just uh, with anybody that's done a PhD, heads down, bums up and get on with it. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and uh, there wasn't sort of a, a high five Murray Shandon moment. It was, um, it was just, it was a lot of hard work and a pretty, a pretty amazing journey. Amazing. Have we got time for just one more? Yeah, yeah. So you actually have um, citizen scientists sort of helping the Marine Mammal Foundation. How can people, I guess, help you out and get involved in some of the work that you, you're doing? Yeah, so the Marine Mammal Foundation is um, is an organisation that I established in 2013 to it basically extend uh, the applied research that you commonly find in universities, um, but then also have that community aspect with outreach. And so we can't be on the water all the time, although I'd love to. Uh, so people can send in their... Uh, sightings of dolphins across the state and in particular in Port Phillip Bay and Gippsland Lakes and that helps us put all important dots on the map. So they can find that at our webpage at marinemammal.org.au um, or email that in. Fantastic. And for the AMSA event, they just jump on to Eventbrite and Australian Marine Science Association Victoria. Yeah, so we'll there's, yep, that's uh, if they do a search for uh, showcasing marine, Victoria's marine sciences from AMSA on Eventbrite and all the details are there for the ticketing. Great. I've got a ton of stuff I have to load up onto um, our Facebook page for Radio Marinara. So I'll be getting onto that later on this afternoon and I'll make sure we put a link to that on ours as well. Fantastic. Thanks so much for coming in. No yeah, worries. Thank you. That's great. <laughs> We're going to definitely get you in again. We're going to actually head into the green room shortly and line up a time. Oh, always happy to talk about marine sciences and, uh, and our amazing dolphins. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks so much. We've been speaking with Kate Charlton Robb, uh, Victorian President of AMSA or AMSA Victorian Branch. President of AMSA Vic Branch. Is that what we say? That'll do. That'll do. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks also to our other guests today, Oslo Davis, uh, Terry Allen for the Dive Report, and from Parks Victoria, Stephen Howe, accompanied by John Hawkins from the Scuba Divers Federation of Victoria, and Rob, and I'm sorry, Rob, if you're listening, I didn't catch your surname, but uh, local diver down at the prom talking about that great award. Uh, On next week's program, um, we are going to have Maddie McAllister in. She's a maritime archaeologist. She's coming in with Rex. Jeff's going to be in the house as well and uh, lots of other stuff that we'll be organising through the week. Fantastic. I've blown out the cobwebs and back and ready to go. (laughs) Thanks, Kate. We'll catch you in a couple of weeks. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.